He is good news indeed. We start off uh, today with a little bit of an offbeat uh, subject. About a month ago, the alarm on uh, our septic system at the house was going off all the time to much alarm for me. That's never a good thing. The sound of that alarm, uh, to be honest with you, was really quite deafening. There was even a bright light that just flashed on and, and, and off. There was absolutely no way to ignore the alarm. I begrudgingly call the septic people. That's never the sort of thing that you want to spend a lot of money on, but when you have to, you have to. After assessing things, they, uh, they put in a new pump. We have been in good shape since, that is, until the electricity went out last week. We were out for four days, and I sweated out every one of those days. I so wanted that pump to uh, have power in order for it to work correctly. Thankfully, everything turned out great. With all that in mind, I um, remember the story told of the church that was installing a, a brand new baptismal. To their surprise, as they were putting in that baptismal, they were required by the city to put in a septic system. And the, at first, the pastor was, was irate. Why would we need a septic system for a baptismal pool, he asked. And he thought a bit more about that and figured that it was only fitting, particularly given all the sins that would be washed away out into that septic system. We established it a, a couple of weeks ago in talking about my brother Adam, all of his sin, just like Adam. There's, there's no getting around it, or is there? God provides a way. We read about that today in 1 John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 6. It's a great passage about how God offers forgiveness from the sin that so plagues our lives. So let's read that passage right now. We read from 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Hear this from God's Word. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what God commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is God's word for God's people, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us. It is always good to have somebody in your corner. Meredith Burgess was that way for Sylvester Stallone in, in that great movie, Rocky, and you see the two right there. 
Burgess played uh, Rocky's manager. You remember his name is Mickey. In his own way, Mickey was always there for Rocky. He always came to Rocky's defense. Rocky was, or Mickey rather, was the one that told Rocky in the heat of battle, Rock, your, uh, your nose is broken. And Rocky asked, how's it look? And uh, Mickey responds, ah, it's an improvement. Remember that great line. As I said, it's always good to have somebody in your corner. Jesus is that way with us. He comes to our defense. He, he paves the way for our reconciliation. He opens the door of forgiveness. Jesus is our Savior. John, John writes in, in 1 John, so we will not sin. That's really his intent, and he states that very clearly uh, here at the beginning of our passage for today in uh, 1 John 2, 1. John's in, in, intent is that we would not sin. But if we do, and we will sin, he is quick to turn our attention to the one who is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, an advocate. An advocate is one who helps. An advocate is one who comes to our defense. An advocate is one who advises. An advocate is one who counsels. An advocate is one who, uh, who is always in our corner. The notion of an advocate puts us to thinking about what goes on in a courtroom. I, I served on a jury last May, and it was a pretty in, intense case in federal court. It had a lot of ramifications for the entire community. The defendant was represented by counsel. I thought his lawyer did an incredible job. There was not a lot of histronics to this lawyer, not like some that we see on TV. He was simply there for his, uh, his client to make a good defense. On more than a few occasions, his lawyer would approach the bench to plead his case before the judge. On many of those occasions, the judge acquiesced. The defendant would uh, have been lost without proper defense. Jesus is our defense. He is our advocate. The sacrifice that he made on the cross paved the way for all that to happen. You see, in, in God's court, the, def the defender must be without sin. And Jesus was just that. When it, when it comes to, to sin, God's righteousness, God's holiness, demands that, that sin is, is dealt with. It's just a prerequisite for one who is so holy and, and, and so righteous. His love, though, God's love, his deep love, an eternal love, a love that strikes us to the very depth of our hearts, provides a way for that to happen. So God's right, righteousness demands that sin is dealt with. His love provides a way for that to happen. And that way is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, our advocate, our defense. You've heard it said, 
To err is human. To forgive is divine. You better believe it. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. And we know that that forgiveness, that deep forgiveness comes from the divine, from God Almighty, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and all that Christ did on the cross. In God's eye, forgiveness is is not doled out just willy-nilly. It comes at a great cost. It comes with a price. God does not pretend as if our sins didn't happen. He deals with that, making it possible for forgiveness to happen. He doesn't sweep our sins under the rug. He sends Jesus. And when he sends Jesus, the cross is the very center of what makes forgiveness possible. God knows exactly what we need. We need forgiveness. No wonder the cross stands at the very center of our faith. It stands as the center, the central uh, symbol of, of our faith. It is the very thing that brings salvation. We read it a couple of weeks ago from Romans 3, verses 23 through, through 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through the blood, through the faith in his blood. We'll talk about justification next week. And then uh, redemption a couple of weeks after that. But today, we consider atonement. When it comes to understanding atonement, the notion of atonement for me is an at-one-ment. To think of atonement as at-one-ment has uh, always been helpful. It's helped me to understand that, that central work of Jesus on the cross. Because of that work, He has made us at one with God, all on account of what He did there on Golgotha. The cross brings us together with a righteous yet loving God. He is the sacrifice of atonement. Much like the sacrifice that, that took place at Yom Kippur, the, the sacrifice of the, of the lamb that was unblemished, the day of atonement where, where forgiveness was wrought for all the people. In the King James Version, a lot of times this is referenced as, as propitiation. In the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, it's, it's understood as expiation. Those are, are high and lofty words, but, but they basically talk about sacrifice. And it, particularly in the, the notion of expiation, there is, there is an active sacrifice. Not passive like it would be in, in propitiation, but, but active. Jesus goes to the cross. He suffers deeply the weight of all the sin that has ever taken place, that will ever take place, is weighted upon Him. He is, he is, active, he is an active participation in, or participant in that, uh, in that sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, 
it becomes a sacrifice of atonement, of allowing us, giving us the opportunity to be at one with the Father. The cross is the very thing that paves the way for you and me to be forgiven and at once reconciled with our heavenly Father. The cross reminds us that forgiveness is not so much a matter of what we do, but a matter of what God does. Our part involves confession, as Ashley talked about last week. Our part involves repentance, as Stephen talked about on Ash Wednesday. Our part involves a response of faith that awakens us to the very grace of God, grace that is exhibited there on the cross. I talked about that a a couple of weeks ago. But it is God's part. It is God's part that is so much more in this stuff of, of atonement that brings forgiveness to our lives. God's part is so much more. It involves Christ's death on the cross. And the greatest show of love that has ever been in all of creation. My friend Howard Olds once wrote, while the cost of our sin is more than we can pay, the gift of God is more than we can imagine. The gift of God, more than we could ever imagine. And in that, we understand that we could never pay for the sin that we have uh, have done in in our lives. But yet God's grace, His love, more than we could ever imagine, makes it possible for us to be forgiven. It was that way for the paralytic who was lowered through the roof where Jesus was preaching. That man was not only healed of his paralysis, but his sins were forgiven. It was that way for the woman caught in adultery She was forgiven and told to go and sin no more. And she was told not only just to go and sin no more, but she was given the power to overcome her sin. It was that way for Zacchaeus, the tax collector, upon whose house salvation had come. This was a a man who was far outside the bounds of, uh, of, of the religion of his day, And yet Jesus claimed his life, offering forgiveness, and Zacchaeus would never again be the same. And of course, it was that way for Peter, who denied the Lord three times, right before his death. Upon meeting the resurrected Lord, Peter was forgiven. When when Jesus asked him three separate times if he loved him, as if to undo what Peter had done at an earlier time. And so the list of, uh, of those forgiven is, is, is long, and it is so long that it even includes you and me. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for you and me, paving the way for our forgiveness. Years ago, Ernest Hemingway wrote a book called Capital of the World, In it, he told the story of a father and his son who were estranged. The boy's name was was Paco. He had run away from home and found himself 
on the streets of Madrid, hoping to become a bullfighter. His dad desperately wanted to reunite with his son. He knew there would be little chance in, in finding him, just simply wandering the, the streets of Madrid uh, in, in, in hopes of, of being able to, to find his son. Eventually, the father put an ad in the local newspaper, which, which read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. Eight hundred young men, all named Paco, showed up at the Hotel Montana. The need for forgiveness is that pervasive and is the very reason God sent Jesus into the life of the world. Through Christ, God paved the way so that you and me and all the Pacos of the world could find themselves forgiven, no longer estranged from their heavenly Father, but forgiven and at one with Him. God never turns away anybody who, as it says in, uh, in, in Psalm 51, 17, comes with a broken and contrite heart. Thank God forgiveness is ours in Jesus Christ. Now, at first glance, as you make your way through these opening verses of 1 John chapter 2, you, you would figure that uh, John would, uh, would be making an, an abrupt shift of gears. You know, as you read through, that, that shift of gears, or seemingly so, seems to happen between verses 2 and 3. As I read through that, I, I don't see so much a shift of gears as just, uh, just kind of a natural flow of things from forgiveness to obedience. It is that chapter, or verse 3 rather, that, uh, that John uh, begins a discussion about keeping God's commands, about being, uh, being obedient in, in every way. All of this on the heels of talking about forgiveness. John writes, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what God commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anybody obeys God's word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in God. Whoever claims to live in God must live as Jesus did. On, upon being forgiven, we are set free to live as God wanted us to live. Not just forgiven, but free. Free to obey, free to become more and more like Jesus. You remember the bracelets from a few years back? What would, uh, what would Jesus do, WWJD? They were, they were all the craze. They gave those of us who are Christ followers pause to consider what we need to be doing 
what we needed to do in a, in a specific situation. We would ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? And it was, it was informative in, in every way. Those, those four letters were, were more than instructive in my life. How about you? I repeat them all the time. What would Jesus do? Let's turn that just a bit. Let's, let's turn that just a bit and, and, and have those four letters to be L-L-J-D, living like Jesus did living like Jesus did. That's the way it is for those who are forgiven and free. It's the very place that, that, that John would, would have us to be. He, he calls on us to, uh, to live like Jesus. Those who are forgiven and free are free to live like Jesus. And in living like Jesus, We exalt in the great work that God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, particularly that work that took place on the cross that paves the way for us to be at one with Him. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank You for Your Son, and all that He has done for our lives. God, we are thankful for the cross. It makes it possible for us to be forgiven. It makes it possible for us to be at at one with You. Lord, we are thankful for Christ's willingness to offer Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Lord, we are thankful that that brings power to our lives, the very power of forgiveness. It gives us the opportunity for new life. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, for the good news that he offers our lives. We thank you that you see fit to to move into our lives through your blessed Son. We seek to be more and more like him. And we thank you for the opportunity to to do that. One, as we are forgiven, and two, as we live in the power of your Holy Spirit that is always working a great work in our lives. Thanks, God, for the encouragement of your word It turns us to the fundamentals of our faith. It gives us opportunity to be awake and alert to the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. This prayer we make in the name of Christ, trusting in the power of that name for today's world. Amen.